Welcome to Trainers Talking Truths. This is an ISSA podcast dedicated to exploring the fitness industry and uncovering the whys and hows of personal training. To do that, we'll talk directly to the industry experts and certified trainers. We'll dig into fitness programming, business tactics, nutrition, and more. You'll even hear from current training clients who offer insight from the other side. We've got the fitness industry covered, so turn up the volume and enjoy the drive. Hello, world. Welcome back for another ISSA podcast, Trainers Talking Truths. It's your co-host here, Jenny Scott, um, elite trainer and ISSA content developer, here with my co-host, Dan the Man Duran. How's it going, Dan? Jenny, I am excited that I was invited. This is going to be a good one. <laughs> They never that's, stop. You're full of these. I love it. That's right. <laughs> so Dan, our guest today has some really interesting stories. I've already heard some good ones, but you actually know our guest today. Who do we have with us today? I have the great honor of, of introducing uh, a, a dear friend, uh, Ian O'Dwyer, who has over 25 years in the health and fitness industry as a sports conditioner and coach, personal trainer, body worker, international educator, presenter, mentor, the list goes on. Uh, he owns his own studio in, in Australia. He also co-founded two companies, three companies, one of which I had the honor of, of working for, two of them, actually, now that I think about it. Uh, in the past, he's delivered over 650 workshops worldwide. And I'm actually, rather than talking about the rest of the intro here that, that really spells out what makes Ian unique, I'm going to let him explain it to you by saying, Ian... And I want, you know, the story I want to hear how this all started. How, how the heck did you get into the, the, the fitness industry, the health and movement industry? Well, firstly, Dan, it's great to talk to you. Jen, lovely to meet you. It's, um, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? It's amazing how along this journey, this process that we meet great people and these great people keep appearing in our lives, Jen. So, you know, Dan, I've had the great pleasure of knowing for a long time now through PTA Global and the story, the, the interesting part of me is I'm a non-traditional type of person. And I guess that's why my value was, has, or has been in the industry, because I don't come from a traditional background. I'm not an academic. I'm not a person who's gone through a degree. So I basically grew up with eight boys and one girl. Um, my father was a horse person. He had a team of draft horses way before we had bulldozers and excavators and things like that. So he was truly manufacturing, you know, channels and dams and a lot of, you know, domestic sort of things that were farmed through pipe. So growing up with horses, I got to learn a lot of things about movement, connection, humility, observation. And then I went through and played a sport in Australia and I was very sport orientated. And the sport was called Australian Rules, which you guys would struggle with because we don't wear padding. We, work, we go 360 degrees, we mark, we kick, we handball, we do all sorts of weird stuff, don't worry. <laughs> and we have you know, tiny shorts and well-built guys and that sort of stuff. But um, So lots of injuries, lots of conditioning that probably wasn't congruent to how I had to play. And then, of course, coming from a large family, you had to have an ability to be self-sustainable. So I had a job and my job was plumbing. So I was a plumber. And it's kind of interesting because when you go through this process and you look at the sporting aspect, I lost an eye when I was three, um, cut it out with a knife in an accident. And then they saved it two years later, went to school and a boy hit me in the eye. So from that point on at five years of age, I never had a, a right eye. But what that taught me 
gem was the ability for the body to adapt, how tissue could change. So then moving to plumbing, plumbing was really all about problem solving because I took old stuff and made new stuff, fit it, work with it and be functional. So when you look at the career that I've had, coming through has really just been the process of it's given me the tools now to come into the industry, which I thought was going to be personal training. That's what I thought I was going to be. And I started off as a personal trainer, but very quick to realize that personal training was really just a small aspect of what I did because of the understanding the mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual side of the whole process. It enabled me to tap into other areas, conditioning, rehabilitatory, reconditioning, preconditioning, performance, um, emotional healing, all of that sort of stuff was just really componentaries of working with the human being. And that's what I am. I'm a coach. I work with the human being. That's really cool. So you focus, would you say that you focus less on the physical and more on the rest of it? Or is it kind of a balance of both? I, I feel really, really what's powerful in understanding the human being now is that we understand that emotion changes motion. So, you know, I've never seen a, a, an angry athlete or a sad athlete perform well. So we've really got to get people into a space where they're happy, where they're joyous. What, what brings joy to your heart? When you're running a marathon and at the 36K mark or the 22-mile mark, when all of a sudden the muscular system starts to shut down and the fascial system kicks in, what's going to bring you joy at that time? Because when my mind starts playing games, I better be able to delve into my heart and my soul to be able to reconnect and punch out that last four miles, right? So how do I now take the joyous, happy, the times that make me smile when I'm under the subconscious duress of pain. Because if I can find that space, now I'm going to complete the task at hand. So emotion drives motion, motion drives emotion and can change it. So it's, I really want to find what brings that, 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 that happiness to the soul. And if you can find that point, no matter where you are, no matter how dark the day is, you'll get through it. That's really cool. So like generally, I know it's different for each person. What kind of steps would you go through with a client to help them figure out what brings them joy when they're doing these things? Okay. So Jen, the really, it's really simple. You know, people come into my practice and I don't do assessments and I don't do assessments because the people who come into my practice are already broken, whether they're athletes, mums, whether they're um, corporate people, whether they're kids with learning disabilities, they're already broken. They've already been assessed. People have told them all the negatives. So the first thing I want to do is I'll ask them, what do you enjoy doing? You know, what's a task? What's a hobby? What's a sport that you enjoy doing? Because as soon as we do that, now it's about them. And generally what will happen is that in my practice, I'll have, if it's, a, if it's someone who is a young person, I might, you know, if they, if they love movement, if they love sport, I'll bring out a type of ball or a type of tool that, that is relative to one of their sports, a rugby ball, a football a sand bell, a sand bell is just a, a neoprene tool with filled with, full of sand. I live in Noosa, Australia, which is near the beach. So people who are surfers love sand and neoprene, right? So you start catching or throwing this thing, straight away, a smile comes to their face. And straight away, subconscious, their movement starts to take over, which means you then get to see how they really move, not how they think they move. So you take away the judgment, you bring in the safety, you allow now them to be in a place where they control the conversation, not you. That's really clever. I never even thought about something like that. Emotion, like, like oh, Jen, I'll give you an example. So, you know, we grew up with horses, right? So you can imagine 
my dad was a horse, what I call a horse listener, but we did all our own stuff. So we we sewed the saddlery, we made the headstalls, we we created the, the the bridle repairs, all the stuff. So everything was made of leather. So anytime I had a stock whip. So anytime I'm stressed, I need something that's leather because that leather, that smell brings back the happy times. It brings back the emotions to me that allows me to breathe. So it takes me from a sympathetic to a parasympathetic. Or if my sport, which was AFL, which was once again, a leather football, I'll just toss it in my hands, I'll catch it, I'll have a kick, whatever it might be, brings back the parasympathetic, allows me to bring joy back into my heart. So emotion has a big bearing on how we can connect. And that's the big key. How do I connect to my client, to my human being, to give them the positive outcome, not fix, but give them the positive outcome that they're after today? I'm like super intrigued by this because I work with athletes like from youth all the way up through college. So if I ask them like what makes them happy and they say something other than their sport, is that what I would want to focus on versus like if it's a volleyball player, I wouldn't want to necessarily put them back on the volleyball court if that's maybe not their quote, quote passion. They're there, you know, they love it, but maybe there's something else. Absolutely. So for instance, I've got uh, a couple of athletes who love working in the garden, right? They just, their garden's their peaceful place, right? So quite often what I'll do before we start a session is I'll get them rolling on the grass, right? Now, what the rolling does is a few things. One, it grounds them. Two, it's grass, right? So it's earth to where they're comfortable. Three, it cross-pollinates the brain. So now we start to understand where these people are happy. We can actually bring them back into a place of happiness before they start their session, which means now rhythm and timing improves. So, you know, you go through and do all your technique stuff, but their rhythm and timing improves naturally. Their ability to decrease their cortisol levels, osteocalcin levels, whatever the levels are that are driving the fight, flight, or freeze response decrease. So the inhibition of tissue response disappears. The communication response increases because if you're rolling someone over the ground, you're actually now stimulating all of the fascial system and the skin, which means there's six to 10 times more proprioceptors in that tissue. So now you've got them more awake, more alert, more ready to go. I love it. That's so cool. I can remember <laughs> I can remember when I first learned this, Odie, uh, us implementing some of these strategies at our club in two places. Number one was sales, <laughs> membership sales. So if somebody was interested in, they, they asked about a pool or we found out in the interview that they were interested, it wasn't just point through the glass and show them the pool. We would have, I learned this from Rod, walk out next to the pool, stick your hands in the water, run your fingers yes. through it, smell the chlorine so that they connected. If they were a, a big iron lifter, you know, they like the heavy weights, you took them over to the platform, you let them touch and feel and be around yes. those weights. Don't just point at them. And then as yeah. trainers, we, what we would do is incorporate those things. I, I have this memory of one of my clients who just loved fishing and we would fish with the rip trainer. And that was a highlight of his workout was, was oh, setting cool. the hook. So we would do, we called it hook setting instead of whatever uh, TRX calls it. And he would set the hook yeah. with the rip trainer and we yeah. talked fishing and it was emotionally connecting what they loved with what they were doing. And see, so, Jenny, what's powerful about that is it's okay for me to do it or Rodney to do it. But to hear great coaches then implement it and see the results, that's the difference, right? Because people talk about knowledge as power. It is, but application is king. So if you can't take what we know and apply it, then the knowledge is worthless. You know, we've yeah. gone from a situation now where it was 
evidence-based practice, which is where I've never lived. I've always lived in the practice-based evidence. Because all I know is the research and science that we've been given over the years hasn't always fitted into the human being in front of me. Because when we talk about the human being, we have to talk about everything, not just the human body. So therefore, what Dan's just given you the perfect example of is let's connect to someone. Let's let that person know that I'm hearing what you're so I'm hearing what they're saying so that now you're going to give me an experience, you as a coach of an elite athlete, if they're a runner, I hope you know what it's like to hurt. If they're a runner, I hope you know what it's like to rehabilitate. If you're a runner, I hope you know what it's like to have a mindset of when you're down, how do I, because they're all the things that we've got to be able to talk about, right? Because yeah. it's not what we know, it's what we experience. What have you dealt with in your heart, in your soul, when you have had second thoughts about yourself in a race how do i deal with that stuff right it's really cool i love it yeah and so so speaking of application there's another system that you use the self-care tissue management system yep tell me about that well tell us about that what is it and why is it important so self-care is something that you know let let me come back and reframe this a little bit dan will appreciate this because he's known this such a long time (laughs) We are really strong in defining terms from a field summer perspective in the industry as we were in PTA Global because what we what the what we happen in this industry, we have these terms, but no one really gets it. You know, high intensity interval training, recovery, breath work. Um, we've got to do, you know, slow intensity interval. All these things get bantered around, but no one really understands it. They're just once again, they're they're buzzwords that sell sessions. Yeah. So for us at Feel Soma, and Feel Soma is a company that Soma is an acronym, stands for self-care, sorry, self-osteomyofascial applications. Self, self-care. Osteo, the bone and fascia tissues of the heart and, and, and fascia tissues of the body. My, myofascia, muscle and fascia, so the softer tissues of the body, applications. How do we now change or apply tools or techniques to change the tissues to help you move feel and live better right so self-care is something that in our industry we have coaches and trainers starting at five o'clock in the morning they then do 10 clients they'll then go to the gym and they'll do a workout now tell me jen how many of those trainers would have done an appraisal on themselves to find out where their stress levels are for the day how many of those guys would go through a movement pattern to know what tissues need addressing before they load them with force? How many of those trainers actually can breathe? Right? And this goes into your, into your elite clients. We have to understand that there's got to be checking points that we can actually use to find out where we are today. Because if my body today has left a little bit of sleep, potentially dehydrated, maybe is emotionally stressed because I've had an argument with my boyfriend, girlfriend, partner, boss, whatever. Or maybe I'm just fatigued. If I go and put load through my system now, don't worry about the muscular system. Don't worry about the fascial system. I can tell you right now, the lymphatic system and the circuitry system are going to be under huge stress, which is going to help break your athlete down, not build your athlete up. So when we, we talk about self-care, the very first thing we talk about is awareness, and technique. So we're talking about tissue management, right? So from a feel soma perspective, we talk about, everyone does, nerve, muscle, bone. Now there's three tissues, 
But the really cool thing about those three tissues is one, they're encased in fascia and two, they're wrapped in skin. So there's five tissues and those five tissues have one thing really, really importantly in common. They're 70% water. They're 70% water. Yet everyone talks about making a muscle stronger and stretching a muscle. Muscles don't stretch, so what do we stretch muscles? We talk about, you know, okay, we've got to get the neural system fired and wired. Well, hang on, there's six to 10 times more proprioception in fascia than what there is in muscle. So therefore, why aren't we including the fascia in the motion and the stimulation? So if we talk about those five tissues as having 70% water, there's two more that are far more important that without these two, the first five don't really function that well. Blood and lymph. Blood's 92% water, lymph's 96% water. So really all we are from a plumbing perspective is a fluid and tension system. So if I can keep the fluid moving, what's gonna happen is the nervous system's gonna fire and communicate better. The bone or the skeletal system, which is soft and flexible, not hard and rigid, will be able to adapt to force. The fascial tissue can now adapt and manipulate and change, pretty important. The muscle can produce maximal force. The skin has the ability now to create this elastic stabilization that we need. More importantly, the blood can now carry the oxygen, the nutrients, the lymphatic can take away the waste. So all of a sudden self-care allows us to address all of these tissues to create instant change, enhance performance and create tissue health. Spoken like a true science-minded person. I've actually been doing a lot of research on this kind of stuff. And like really science-minded individuals who like like yourself know a lot about this. We're just a series of tubes and we're a whole lot of water, right? <laughs> so isn't it funny? Isn't it funny though, Jen? I come from a horsing background. So you think about a horse. And if I look at my forearm, a horse's leg is half the width of that. And yet from the knee down in a horse, there's no muscle, only fashion, only tendon. I never even thought about it like that. Only tendon. So I'm not a science person. I'm an application. I'm a person who lives in the life. I'm a practice-based evidence person. What I see in my practice is not what lines up necessarily with what the science says. I had, Jenny, I had this lady in about two years ago, and, I, and I'll just give you an example of some things, right? Anyway, she came in and she was um, 35 at the time. She had been on IVF trying to get pregnant. Anyway, she gets pregnant. Three weeks after her pregnancy, she's paralyzed from the neck down with a disease called, or with a syndrome called transverse myelitis, right? So the question is, can she have the baby? Will the baby survive? Can she maintain the baby? Long story short, the baby survives. She comes into my practice two years after that. She's, or two and a half years after that, and she's still partially paralyzed. And she says, can you help me? Now, Dan knows me, I'm pretty honest. I said, I've got no idea. I really have got no idea because I'm not, I'm not the person, I'm not a specialist, I'm not a physiotherapist. I'm a person who has learned through my own injuries. I've been fortunate to work with some of the best people in the world um, for many years now and to have the humility to observe how tissue can change if we listen to what the tissue wants. So anyway, she comes in and um, it was quite interesting because after 20 minutes of conversation, I don't, I don't normally have 20 minutes to talk to people. But this lady, we, for some reason, we just connected. Maybe that's just the, the emotional side of things. You could sense that she was pretty stressed. So anyway, I asked her to give me her foot. And she gave me her foot. And I said, and as soon as I picked up her foot, it went spastic. It just went rigid, right? And I said, let it go. She said, what do you mean? I said, just let it go. So the foot then softened. And then I mobilized the foot. And I got her to stand up. And I got her to rock laterally, sideways. 
Now, if you get anyone who's got instability or a breakdown in communication, we might call it spasticity. I just call it a breakdown in communication. So you'd imagine she was pretty wild when she was starting to rock side to side, but very, very quickly, she started to get very fine in her lateral movement. And she said, what have you done? I said, don't know. Now, I said, I can tell you what I think I know, but you know what? I don't know. I don't know your emotional status. I don't know your relationship status. I don't know how much you sleep. I don't know your background. I don't know anything about you. So I don't know. I honestly don't know in my mind what's happening. What I do see in your body is that your body is starting to communicate better. Anyway, long story short, she comes back in a month later because she was going away. She couldn't bring her left knee up to hip height, as in a, you know, into 90 degrees. Well, in the first session, we got that to happen. And she was just over the moon. Anyway, in my first sessions, my, one of my first questions, Jen, always is, what's your occupation? Because your occupation tells me a lot about your patterns, right? Mm-hmm. So, and I forgot to ask her. And she said, oh, I'm a doctor of neuroscience. I had my PhD at 24. I'm now 35. For 20 years, she studied the brain, thinking the brain controlled the body. She said, Ian, we've never even thought about the feedback loop of putting patterns into the tissue and allowing neuroplasticity to feed the brain. Now, that's my, it's it's very humbling, but it's mind boggling because as Dan knows, you know, Dan's had an array of, you know, roles in his career over the years and how you address people and how people address you back and and how that connectional response is, is really driven by us. If we have the humility to ask rather than tell, the tissue changes, right, Dan? Absolutely. And it's like, you always tie it back to two ears and one mouth. Oh, and, that, and that's the beautiful thing, right? And it's, we've got two ears for a reason, one mouth for a reason, haven't we, mate? So that's where the self-care comes in. The self-care is being able to empower us to be able to move, feel, and live better. If I can't help me move better, how am I going to help my client? If I can't feel better, if my ability to be able to feel is not where it should be, then I'm in trouble. So, and of course, living better, making better decisions and being able to address what we need to address with people uh, in, in life, with the life's challenges that we have now. We interrupt your scheduled program for another ISSA rapid review. Jared had this to say about our CPT course. It's easy to read material, lots of different study portals, and I really liked being able to work at my own pace and also have the ability to extend if needed. And it was only cheap, $10 per extension. I'm really glad I went with ISSA. Jared, so are we. Uh, Absolutely, I never, never get tired of hearing you talk about these things, Ian. Uh, for the listeners out there, there's there's a theme here, and, and Ian's going to continue to speak to it. But if you haven't picked up on it in the last few minutes, it's it truly is listening. Now it starts with asking the right questions, but sometimes that's part 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 two. First, just start listening, then you can start asking questions. But again, listen them you know more than you speak. Now, Ian, for the listeners out there, uh, we could spend hours and in, in, in really educating them on techniques and uh, you know practical application of what you've just spoke of. But at a high level, how, how could what you're speaking to help trainers train smarter? How can they apply what you just said in a very high level manner, not having gone through your education, but just yep. uh, listening to you? 
So let's put this, and I always get back to the to, to horses, right? And the reason I get back to horses is because they don't speak. So you better be able to observe, you better have the ability to connect, and you better have the humility to listen. Now, we've been a horsing family for years. We've had thoroughbreds, we've raced at various levels, we've won races, we've lost races, we've had horses successful, we've had horses break down. The one thing that we've learned and observed over the years is as soon as we overload tissue, it breaks down. As soon as a horse isn't on its game, it breaks down. As soon as the environment creates a stress that doesn't allow healing, it breaks down. As soon as the trainer becomes arrogant, becomes egotistical, becomes intimidating, it breaks down. So if we just do some really basic things, personally, every time you see a client, make them feel like they're the most special person in front of you. Because as soon as you do, your energy now creates this positivity and what I do is, you know, I'll always high five, knuckles, handshake, whatever it may be. But I always start off with a game. Because as soon as you bring a smile to a person's face, that changes the emotional instant, instantly. So as I said to Jen before, you know, if I find that a person likes, you know, volleyball and, and they're, maybe they're coming into and they're a power lifter, but their, their favorite game to watch is tennis. Quite often in the studio, I'll get a tennis racket and a tennis ball and they'll catch a tennis ball for five minutes before they go and do some powerlifting. Because straight away now, they are in the zone. They are ready to go. They want to play. They want to move. They want to do their best. But it's not now being forced. So my first thing with the trainers is, if you're going to train smarter, connect to your clients. And connection just purely means understanding where they are today. And then that's not hard. If a client comes in and he looks tired or she looks tired, guess what? They probably are tired. If they come in and you ask them, have you had any water this morning? No, give them a glass of water. It takes three minutes for the water to, to be absorbed. If they're stressed, do something that brings joy to them. Find, like, you know, I've got traditional clients who don't like playing you know, radical sort of games, but I might just get, you know, I might just get something that is a, a rubber band and we might just pull and push. It's a very traditional movement, but what I'm doing is with the band, I'm putting energy in and I'm pulling energy out of them. So I'm giving them the ability to move without them having to think, but I'm connected through the rubber band. We might even do some, some roller work, whatever it may be. But it, once you can connect, then all of a sudden it doesn't matter. Really, it doesn't matter what you do. That client's going to trust you. That client's going to have a positive experience, which is going to create the best outcome for, the, for you and the session for the client. This is brilliant. And, and another way I've heard you uh, explain it, and for the listeners out there, is does your client feel safe? Mm. Do they feel safe in your presence? And, uh, and, and, and how much does emotion drive motion? Here's an example I learned from, from you, Ian, and, and the team that I used all over the world for a long time, is I would put everybody in a circle and I would start talking to them and have them close their eyes and visualize. And I would talk them through something bad, like a bad experience, uh, bankruptcy, you know, sickness and divorce, whatever, divorce, yep. and ask them to think of, you know, something horrible that could happen to them, get their mind in there and ask them to do five squats. And then I would clap my hands, have them half five each other, uh, make them laugh, tell a couple of my bad jokes, you know, have them <laughs> popping around. And then I'd say, do five more squats. And then I'd ask them for one to two words to describe the difference between the first squat and the second squat. And that's where you hurt heavy, painful, limited range of motion, uh, hard. And then the second ones, you know, give me one to two words, easy, light, rhythmic. 
and all we changed was the mindset. Yeah. yeah. Wow. You change their you change their feeling, right? And and Dan, it's you know, Jen, this is this is the interesting thing about it. You walk up and touch a horse, and a horse, and I've I've had a couple of you know my good friends Scott Hobson and the boys were over here uh, in Australia a few years back, and and Hoppo, I said, come, we're going into this. I had a, a racehorse at the time. We went into the stable. And um, Hoppo, he said, I'm not going in there. He said, have a look at the size of that thing. But when you have the trust, when there's a relationship, there is no fear. And when you have, you know, when I can go to my coach and, you know, I'm six foot four and my coach is five foot eight, but I know he's got my back or she's got my back. I know that they're not going to judge me. I know that they're just going to give me as much instruction or informed information as I can get. They're going to allow me to make the decision. They're going to allow me to move where I'm feeling comfortable. But they're just there to cover me. And, you know, for us now, with people like Dan, over the years, Jen, I've been very, very fortunate to have great people like him because, you know, he he reeks humility. He reeks, he, he's compassionate. He's empathetic. He wants to help people. And that's something probably our industry hasn't focused on enough over the years because as a coach of athletes, which is what a horse trainer is, yeah. As a coach of athletes, what people don't understand, but and me being an ex-athlete, is it's not the physical tissue that's not going to heal because tissue always heals. It's the emotional tissue of, am I going to be good enough? Will I come back? Am I going to still have my contract? Are people going to still respect me? Am I still going to respect me? Can I still perform? That's what takes the time to heal. And if we can address that by creating safety and creating guidance and creating the ability for people to know that they can trust us, We've got the safe factor happening. You're going to be, you're going to get the best results ever. Absolutely. So a lot of that just comes from communicating with people, like every day when they walk in the door, reading their body language, and like, are there specific questions that we should be asking them, or does it really depend on the person? Well, how about we go back to some really basic questions? How did you sleep last night? When was your last time you ate, and what was it? Have you drunk any water? Or if you have drunk, what have you drunk? Oh, I've had two coffees. Okay, let's get a glass of water. Are you feeling positive and ready to move today? That's a big one. Because they're the simple questions that have given you a lot of feedback really quickly now to allow you to start to create where you're going to be. Because if we can take that and listen and accumulate some type of, okay, on a scale of zero to 10, 10 being fantastic and they're going to rock it or you know, zero, they're really struggling. Today's going to be a recovery or a preconditioning session rather than a recovery session because no one likes doing recovery. It's a matter of getting that information before we even start. It takes probably two to three minutes. And if you get that information, now you're going to get the best, you're going to get the best outcome because less is more. Less is more. I load the tissue up. I need 48 to 72 hours for that tissue to heal, recover, and respond. I think but what you just said there, Ian, is key because there's a, a piece that we want to stress. So let's say you ask those questions and uh, you get an idea of their mental, physical, their mental, emotional, uh, physical and lifestyle buckets, um, you know, where they're at today. You don't yep. just park that and take that <laughs> workout that was, you know, five sets of five at 90 percent of one rep max. That's what's on the agenda for today. And they come back with a whole bunch of four scores. You don't say, oh, I'm really sorry to hear that. Load the bar and go for five for five, right? I mean, you've right. got to make some adjustments. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah you have. Absolutely. Well, you know, well, your plan today was running 200s at a certain time, you know, 10 repeats. 
might be five repeats, but those five repeats might be better quality than the first than the ten we're going to be. So you got a better you got a better outcome for your session anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Always be flexible. <laughs> Always be adaptable, Jenny. Adaptable, not flexible. Adaptable, because adaptable means now you're taking in everything. You are taking in the ability of the environment, of the human being, of your thought process. So it's not just being, flexibility is more about you bending. No, no, it's not about you bending or me bending because we're about a relationship here. We're about creating a a side-by-side solution for what today is required. That means we've got to be adaptable because in a race, in a game, in a sport, in a business meeting, we've got to be adaptable because we're going to have stuff coming at us that isn't programmed. You know, someone pulls a gun as a police officer. That wasn't programmed today, was it, Dan? But I've got to be adaptive and know that whether that's going to be a dangerous situation, volatile situation, or whether it's just fear. So we've got to be adaptable. I really like that. That's a good word, Ian. Oh, oh, sorry. What I was going to ask, Jenny, is is for Ian to tell our listeners how we might be able to find him, how they might be able to follow him. And so not a problem at all. How can we learn more? well, we've got uh, Phil Soma's got a Facebook, so it's just uh, forward slash Phil Soma. We've got Instagram's Phil.soma. We've got uh, YouTube Phil Soma. And of course, you've got the PhilSoma.com website. And Dan, what I'm really excited about is within the next five days, we're just about to put up our online immersion. So the process of 25 years now comes online. And there's a hundred, in excess of 100 videos. There's 16 hours of content. It's all videoed. It's all the highest quality. I'm just so excited because now it brings Phil Soma to life. You know, the stuff that we sat on planes for thousands and hundreds of thousands of miles for, mate. So, um, yeah, so the website's got programs on there. They're really inexpensive programs. You've got education on there. Go and have a look. It's, it's really cool. It's really easy to navigate. And um, there's some pretty big stuff. We've got some golf stuff coming out very, very soon for those out there who want to uh, take golfers into the next world. Brilliant. Thank you so much for joining us, Ian. It's been a pleasure. Uh, It always is. I'm going to let Jenny take us home. She does a much better job than I do. (laughs) But uh, again, thank you, sir. Thanks, Jenny. Great to see you, Dan. I appreciate everything that you're saying. This is awesome. And I love your word adapt, um, be adaptive. Um, And this is just an evolution of the way that we need to think about working with clients and think about working with the human body. This is tremendous information. Thank you so much for sharing this with us. Pleasure, Jen. I hope this made some sense to uh, to the listeners. And I hope if the listeners have got some questions, they can always contact me through the website. And, uh, you know, as I say, there's always solutions out there. It's not not rocket science. This is the human being, not the human body. Right. You just got to learn it. Right. We don't know what we don't know. So correct. Take the steps and be adaptive. I love it. Well, thank you again, Ian, for joining us. Um, So much to share. Make sure you guys check out his content, check out the information that he has to share and change the way, like adjust the way that you're working with people and see what a difference it can make. Right. No harm in, but to try it. (laughs) Absolutely. Thanks guys. Absolutely. Dan, any last words for our listeners today? Keep learning. Keep learning. The minute you think you know it all, change jobs. Absolutely. Keep learning. <laughs> yeah, I would definitely say continue to focus on the mindset. That's huge. That was that was my biggest takeaway from this. The mindset and be adaptable. So thank you guys so much for listening. And as always, we remind you to make good choices. We'll be talking to you soon. Yeah.